Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we are talking about <laughs> new GM ideas, new GM advice, something like that. I guess a new GM ask a question that Saul saw. Yes, that's that is correct on on Reddit of all places. <sighs> Lots of people ask questions on Reddit. Yeah, so this was a pretty general question about a new GM was asking if this was a good idea or a good process. And by new, he had never, he or they had never run a game. And they had only been playing for a short while, by my estimation. And of course, they were playing D&D. So he had this idea that, this great idea, he thought, that he would, uh, when the campaign started, he would embed with the characters a young dragonling, dragon worm, even by most standards, a dragon, no matter how big or small, is pretty powerful. And if you put him with a group of first-level players, that dragon is going to be more powerful than the players. Or, he thought, maybe a godling, which I don't know what a godling is, but a son of a god or a small god, a growing-up god. I'm going to go a baby, like Hercules or something. Hercules is a baby? You know, as a baby, a oh, godling. Godling. No, I think, well, no, because he said that the reason he w- had this great idea was that if the characters ever got into trouble, then the dragon would be, or the the NPC would be able to get them out of any trouble that they would get be able to get into, or they couldn't handle the situation. This sounds like a horrible idea <laughs> to me. And he was going on that, you know, he had a cer- certain ideas or situations where the that I'll just use the dragonling. That's what I'll call it. Whether it's the godling or dragon, it's interchangeable. But the, whether, the, whether when the dragon, when the players, when the dragon would help the players in what situations it would come up, because he already had the ideas of when he would intercede, because oh. because uh, he was planning on these uh, encounters along the way, that obviously would be too tough for the players so this dragon worm would help them out and as they progressed he thought well it would be great because then no matter what level they were the dragonling would help them overcome anything that was too tough and I use the air quotes here um (laughs) now remember this was his brand new GM well that's what I was going to say I guess he hasn't run a game because players never do what you think they're going to do well obviously that is the well, first lesson you learn when you run a game, right? I think that's the first lesson every GM learns. And so those- I'm thinking about the parties that we've played with, and they'd probably want to sell that dragon or and get as far away from it as possible, even if they were first level and had never played again, played before. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it would be interesting because, okay, the, the reason I think this is where it comes from is there's been uh, quite a few stories in – in books and in in shows like let's say Game of Thrones, and there was a, a series of uh, there was a I forget what the name of the series is, but there was this guy who who had a a, a worm dragon, a baby dragon, whatever, or literally a baby dragon, but it was still very powerful. And I had never got past the first few pages; I didn't like it. It was one of the ones suggested by our, our friend Chris. He loved the series. It was by one of the three great bees. He called them. It was by Bryn. 
I forget the other two. But anyway, doesn't matter. But I'm sure you. it has to do with this guy has a, a worm dragon who helps him out. And then there's another one called, uh, I forget the name of the series, but it was an Italian guy who with his first first book sold really well. It had, it's the name of a dragon. And now he's has just published another dragon book about that kind of, in that series. Now, anyway. Are those dragons, though, like the... Like D and D dragons, yeah, similar. Yeah, I think for the most part they're the classical, small dragon grows up hatched out of an egg and blah blah blah. So what happens is, I think you see that in a movie or read that in a book, and you're like, oh, that'd be so cool if I can include that in a game, because that's where a lot of people get their ideas, right? Of course, out of books. Except it doesn't translate well into a role playing game sometimes because especially not with a dragon. Or a godling, right? Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> so a lot of the vice was very much like that. You know, they go, oh, that doesn't sound like a good idea. And a lot of them were very short answers, like, oh, that's a terrible idea, just like you said. Or like, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but there was this one one post, post uh, response that was actually very thought out, and he told them, this is why I wouldn't do it. Because I did it the first time, and it ended terribly. Well, I'm just going to say that if you put an NPC like that in, it's kind of like the GM wants to play won't play the, play the a character with the group, right? Yeah, that's, somebody said that it was a GMPC, and we had, did a whole episode on GMPCs a couple of years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a while. But we don't want to revisit that, but, but you're right. That's what a lot of people were saying. He goes, and some people would ask, not just say, don't do the GMPC. And there was a lot of that. But some people would go, well, do you want to play too? Is that is this, this NPC? Because he said NPC. Is this NPC really an NPC? Or is it going to be your character in the game? And I, and I think that's a valid question for somebody to, to ask and be answered by the GM. I think my biggest problem with that, the idea that you're putting a, a character in that that is supposed to help the players. I'm using air quotes, sorry. Why would you, if they're first level players as a GM, and especially if you're not experienced, experienced, why don't you do a small adventures to, to build up the people's confidence and give them some experience so they can get to second level or whatever? You're, if you're going to bring monsters against people that you need a small dragon to fight for you. Just in case. See, that's the problem. You have it figured out in your head that you're going to need this. And and he gave scenarios where they might need it, right? Right, right. He gave like two or three examples of what he was thinking when it would be needed. Well, that one, if you have four players, by the time they're even at first level, they're going to be able to take out goblins, most likely. Sure. Or even go up against orcs. Or they're going to learn like salt and... When Saul read this um, question, his first thought was, "If there's a dragon, you should run. If there's if you if you find a dragon egg or you have a dragon with you and you realize what it is, you need to get away from it because I don't know if dragon mommies come for them, but dragons aren't what you want for your party to be carrying around." Yeah, we we and Jolene talked about it. We go well if you came across a, a dragon egg. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really studied the ecology of dragons in 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 D and D or any other fantasy uh, games. But I have this idea that 
kind of like what is it? Is it a duck or a chicken? If if it sees you and when it's born, it thinks you're th- it thinks you're the mother. it imprints on you. It imprints on you, right? So that might be something that might happen. I think that might have happened in Game of Thrones. The uh, if you I don't read know the book or saw the movie, I don't know. I don't know. I I I, I never got that far in the book, and I never got that far in the, in the show. I think I've only seen half of the first season, but. That seems to me like what happens is that this creature. But the problem with that, the problem with that idea is the imp- imprintation is that dragons are really, really smart. So I don't think really, really, really smart things need to imprint on anything. Another thing is, like, I don't know if dragons like real lizards just lay eggs and leave, and and then when they're born, they're on their own, like snakes, kind of. You know what I mean? They're, they just they have this instinct to go out and live. I'm not sure you have that co- completely correct because I've seen alligators with baby alligators. And eating them, you mean? No. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, really? I don't remember. I don't know. I just don't remember anything like that happening. I always now, lizards, I could see, but, but the thing with dragons is they're very smart and, and I don't know. I think that would be if, if, if you got a dragon egg, if you presented your party with a dragon egg or a dragon at first level, a baby, a baby dragon at first level, well, what, what's to say that it's not going to accidentally burp up fire and kill them all? I mean, come on, it's a dragon. <laughs> You're burping the dragon and it burns your life acid. Yeah, I don't know. And then there's the, the whole idea that certain dragons are, are evil. Right. Is it metallic? Is it <laughs> chromatic or whatever it is? Yes. Yeah, it is an interesting idea. I think because the boys would go, "What color is it?" It's red. How fast do we run? It's black. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Can you teach? Well, in today's D and D, probably as we're getting rid of alignments and getting rid of alignments for creatures, in a certain sense that just because they're born a certain way doesn't mean that they're automatically evil by aren't aren't dragons either evil or or neutral they're evil good or neutral right right that's like they're like regular oh, okay. people sort of except extremely powerful <clears throat> even at a very young age i think you should just be wary of dragons and i would never put a dragon okay into a party but why i mean why wouldn't you you know what, what's the well, i gave you the first reason because it could accidentally kill all the players well let's let's bar the accidental discharge of breath weapon <laughs> and and go uh reasons why and, okay. so, and there was there was some that this person who responded said and there was other ones that i thought of so i'm, I'm intermixed and some of these kind of sound the same to me, so uh, pardon me if, th- if they are not different. But, <laughs> but but most people thought it was a bad idea. No, I don't think anybody said, oh, this is a great idea. Uh, in fact, the first responder said, I did this when I, when I first started, and it was a complete disaster. And he didn't explain why it was a complete disaster, but then he, said, he had his advice. So the one thing is, I think, number one is the loss of player agency when you have this really powerful... NPC, if it is an NPC, uh, they over overshadow the players at every turn and defeat the players' actions whenever it does anything, <clears throat> simply because it's so powerful. So, as a new GM, he may not completely understand player agency. You want to present the players with a scenario or a encounter, encounter, and you want to just let them go and do what they're going to do, right? Right. You don't. You're not. Having a, an NPC dragon that could kill all of the bad guys for them 
kind of does take away their their choices of what they want to do, right? Right. Or they'll say, well, let Barney take care of it. Well, yeah. But then, I guess in 5th edition, they would still get experience because they encountered it. Right. Whatever they encountered. So that that's a real easy one that happens. But it wouldn't be fun for them, for the players, because isn't that the fun part is experiencing the encounter and doing stuff? Yeah. So so number two is kind of linked to this one is the players may feel that they're just along for the ride. Yeah. So instead of the players being the focus of the of the of the game, you're actually the sidekicks of this NPC dragon or godling, right? So you're just along for the ride and then here comes Barney with his crew and Barney punches out the big guy and then you the crew just mop up the minions. <laughs> yeah. Not As, only does that take away player agency, but that's going to make it a really short game because they're not going to want to do that for very long. Right. I don't. Be, think... It's it's because it's more like you're just there to hear the story that the GM is telling. I'll get to that one in a minute. Oh. So yeah, yeah. I think that does that would happen, right? If you have this super, not even though they have to be super powerful, it just has to be more powerful than the rest of the of the of the party. And this might even happen, I mean, I'm just going on a tangent, but this might happen if you have a bunch of pl- new players and then you have a, an experienced player that can really make a character that is like super mini-maxed, right? For example, we're playing Shadowrun and we have three boys. Well, they're not boys. They're in their 20s and 22, 23. So they love Shadowrun. They love the rules. They really love that crunch. Uh, In fact, my son wanted to go back to play Pathfinder 1st Edition because 5th Edition had lost its new game feel. Its shiny feel. (laughs) Its shiny feel and want to get back into that granular crunch of doing this and getting that extra bonus point and getting that extra thing to hit instead of just having this, oh, you get advantage or disadvantage. It it really is quite a wonderful mechanic, but it also is, for those people that love crunch, takes away all the stuff. Just introduce them to Shadowrun, then they can crunch away. So you have a character that they make, those three boys, our three boys, I'll call them, and then we have Kathy. And me. And you, but yeah, you studied enough to make a pretty good character. Well, your son also helped me make oh, the well, character. There you go. Well, Her. see, well, that, that, let's say you have one Ian and the rest are Kathy players. Yeah. So Ian's going to make this like super maxed out, maxed out character, character that yeah. can do a little bit more than the rest of the party, mainly because they're just not made very well. Now, this may not happen very much in. Fifth edition D and D because they're all kind of like cinematic. There's characters. templates, really, right? But like in Pathfinder First Edition, it definitely could happen. Yeah, and that has to do with character creation. And if you're a new GM, you should really learn about that, right? Cook, right? So, I mean, if you had a player like that, they might dominate the party yeah. too much to the and be and the other people be like grudgingly be like okay well let ian take care of that uh, that bad guy and it would just you know help him out and and that gets kind of old and that's what would happen in the situation where you have a powerful npc who can intercede at any moment on that note <laughs> when i've run games where i think maybe they're gonna run into like an army or something <laughs> i like to bring in the harpers and but i never play them i let them 
be on their own, which is something I learned from Saul. It doesn't matter if if you bring in powerful um, NPCs. You, they're just over there on that side of the field, right? They're taking care of, of that part of the army while you're taking care of the 250 goblins or whatever in front I of you. I see what you're saying. They're, they're around, but they're, you don't really interact with them too yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. And just, the only time you interact is like maybe greeting and farewells. Yes, and it, it gives a, it gives you it gives the players a sense that they don't have to take on two whole armies by themselves, right? right? But or and, and I'm exaggerating, right? But yeah. that but it, it gives them a sense that there is somebody there helping them, but they're their own, you know, in a in a battle, they're their own unit taking right. care of their own section. Right. And they're just in a periphery kind of and it's pretty cool when when I always thought it was pretty cool when in Endgame, when I was a player, and it hasn't happened that much, but when you meet like yeah. really famous people in like in the world, like let's say, well, what's the name of the world uh, in D and D? Faroon, right? There's all kinds of stories. There's a uh, Salvatore wrote all kinds of books, right? And it, and at one point, I had him. Uh, they were all on the Sword Coast, and they met Drizzt and stuff like that. But it wasn't in a battle scene or anything like that. No, it was just passing by, and then mentioned that Drizzt was practicing against like five people. I showed that that he was pretty impressive in the fight. And then, but at the same time, you know, they were able to meet him and, and I took the personality straight from the book, you know, so he's very gracious and very nice. And then when the action hit, when action came, everybody just kind of separated, right? Drizzt didn't stay with the party right. and fighting along them. They went out and did something and then the party went a different direction. And that's the way I handle it. You're right. So I, you're right. That to me is a better way of handling than inserting a powerful NPC into the party who's always going to be there right yeah that would be kind of annoying as a player that this this guy is so he's like a 20th level and and the boys would tell you that right yes 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 they would so. our boys so another one is uh, uh this one is a little bit different it, it i hate to call it training your players but that's basically what happens because it happened with me right when i was running games for the boys when they were young, because I didn't want to upset them. So players need to know that there are consequences to their actions. So if there's always this dragon or godling that's going to take care of any situation that they get into, whether whether you as a GM put them through that situation, or they themselves, by their bad decisions, put themselves into that situation, they're never going to learn consequences, and therefore they're going to be really ridiculous. They'll do ridiculous things they'll do dumb stuff knowing that no matter what happens here comes barney and the, the purple dragon is gonna save you each and every time and the problem with that is that makes terrible players right because it'll make terrible players because they'll just do whatever they want and not have think about what's going to happen because they don't have to worry about so it. So they're going to go to their next D&D game that they, that after you've, you're done with them and, <laughs> and, and the GM is going to go, what are you doing? Uh, you died. <laughs> so I'll have a couple of examples from my history about bad decisions and how I handle them. Consequences. So I was running a game and they come across a white dragon. And it landed somewhere, and then one of the characters wants to check out where it is, right? And he was a 10-year-old boy. 
and he goes up to it and, I, and he sees it and the dragon just goes, just kind of kind of doesn't breathe fire or ice on him because he's a white dragon he just kind of kind of tells expelled him to, his breath expelled his breath and basically warned him to get away from me so I go what are you gonna do and he my the, my nephew goes I'm gonna punch him in the face <laughs> Tarogi yeah Tarogi <laughs> so I said do you think that's a good idea and he goes I don't care I'm gonna punch it in the face <laughs> so I'm like okay so he punches in the face and then and then he runs away right but the problem was he pissed off the dragon but the dragon doesn't just want him it wants the whole party so everybody starts running right just like they don't know what to do I think we were in an ice cave weren't we no you guys he was up on a mountain like in the hills and was just resting and he was trailing your caravan and then he landed and Tarogi goes and investigates. I remember that all the boys besides um, Tarogi at the Tarogi. table. That's the <sighs> character's name was a dwarf. Just went, what? Yes. <laughs> so then everybody scattered and then I think somebody threw rope trick. I think it was you. Yes. You threw rope trick and then everybody oh, crawled. It was, dim- it was a, a dimension rope. door with a rope. Uh, or that's, ro- that's rope trick. You okay. threw up a rope and it goes you yeah. your own space. Yeah, yeah. International space, and then they can't, it couldn't get you. So everybody crams into the space. It's designed for, I think, four to five people, and it was like eight of you in there. I let you guys do that, but Tarogi didn't want to go in. No, he didn't. Right? He's just like he was just being a really obstinate little kid. So then I do one pass, and uh, I think I I got a couple people with some fire weapon, the breath weapon. No, sorry, not fire, ice, ice weapon. weapon. And it took like half. Almost everybody's damaged down to like just a few hit points. Hence the rope trick, and you saved everybody's life. But Tarogi was uh, adamant that he didn't want to go into the thing, into the rope thing, into the space. But I think you guys forced him in and pulled him in. So at at that point, yes, we did. The, the other players took away his agency. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, I think what happened was is that the other players basically said, "Don't ever do that again." And I said, and I told him, look, I go, I go, you almost caused everybody to, to get killed. And he, he kind of was really, I don't care. So I go, well, then don't play. I don't need you playing at my table. And he kind of like, his eyes kind of, well, and I wasn't sure he really wanted to play anyway. I think he, his dad was playing. So I think he, his dad wanted him to play. And I'm not sure how much he was invested or wanted to do it himself. But, but that like told him, I'm not. I'm not going to play around with that kind of ridiculous ideas. Either you, well, you're one, your character's going to die, and two, you're not going to play on my table. I, I think he really, really stopped playing. I mean, he he played every once in a while, but I don't think he he was very uh, interested in playing. That wasn't his thing. It was not his thing, right? I have another one. This is a grown up. I didn't go with it. It's probably Steve. <laughs> and uh, this was. Uh, a Probably drag- when he killed somebody. No, this was a. Dr- it was the beginning of Storm King's Thunder, and I needed you guys. They were in Fa- in Faerun, of course, but they were by Cormier, and they needed to get to the Sword Coast because that's where the adventure takes place. So I needed them to be able to get there. So what I did was I had this dragon that was causing a red, red old dragon that was causing trouble near Faerun, and so they followed it, followed it into the wastes. And then they follow it to its lair. So then the, the, they sneak in, right? Well, a couple of people sneak in. The two thieves sneak in, I believe they're rogues. Yes. And they see the dragon sitting on his hoard, his gold hoard. And the older man, 
the dad, Steve, I'll use his name, goes, I don't want to steal some stuff. I go, well, the dragon is literally sitting on everything. He goes, I'm going to sneak. So I'm like, go ahead and roll your freaking whatever. And he sneaks, and then he rolls, and he rolls pretty good, right? So I'm like, okay, good. And then he goes, what do you go? Well, I, told him, you know, I told him, like, various things he could that he saw. And, of course, he goes with the biggest thing that he thought was worth the most. Mm-hmm. But I made it difficult because I go, it's kind of, like, jammed underneath some stuff because he's sitting on it. He goes, are, are you going to still try to take it? He goes, yeah, I'm going to pull on it. I go, well, you pull on it, and it's, like, it's st- really stuck in there. He goes, I don't care. So he, I go, make a strength roll. And he makes a strength roll, but I'm like, you know, what you good? when you're pulling out something that takes strength, and you get it out, all kinds of coins start falling and stuff. So then the dragon turns around, looks at him, and then they make try to make it hail t- high tail it out of there, right? Well, he breathes fire on him, and I think he takes uh, him and his son. They're both rogues. Take like, luckily they have like that uncanny dodge stuff, and they take half their hit points out in one breath. And uh, and I think I might have padded the freaking numbers because th- that wasn't part of the adventure. That was just a vehicle to get him somewhere. I understand. And so, I was there. Yeah, you were there. And so what happens is then the party goes, what are you doing? Right? It was like That was me. And, then, uh, <laughs> and it might have been Augustine and Ian. So they ch- tries to chase him out. Then he noticed that the dragon won't go out of his cave. He has this, he's in this big like volcanic mountain and he doesn't leave the cave at all. And... They start talking to him, and he goes, "He goes, you're not here to steal my stuff. You're here because you need to be somewhere. And then that was a vehicle to, so he get, makes, his, makes a deal with him that he won't kill these two guys that he kind of has in his little cave because he trapped them. He goes, if you will do this for me. And he makes like a. A portal. Portal. And then they all you all jump through and he lets them go and he and then the two rogues group through last. A little singed, but alive. So that was my I didn't really teach him a lesson, but there was a consequence for them trying to steal something. That was obviously a bad idea. And uh, it only took half their hit points though. I might have fudged all those numbers. Because he was an old dragon. I thought he was a young dragon. He might have been young. He was young and, and he was trapped in there because his father didn't want to let him out. Oh, something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. He was being punished. So then I have another example. So this was, uh, there, was a, there was a battle and, and they were, uh, the, the party was saving a, a lady who was obviously trying to escape these bad guys. And then at one point, uh, they are able to subdue the, the, the people following her. And then one of the characters has like a pet tiger or some animal or whatever. I don't know what it was. And then uh, the lady knew the people that were chasing her. And obviously, there was the situation, they didn't know what was going on. But she says, don't kill them. Right? Because Ian was standing over the, 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 the unconscious body with the animal. At the tiger, there's a huge tiger, and I, she says, "Don't kill him!" Right? Yells at him, and then he, and then Ian, <laughs> I don't know what happened. He was twelve or whatever. Says, "Feed to his animal," and eats the bites the unconscious person, and kills him. Right? Obviously. And then she, and then I'm like, I was kind of shocked because, like, what was that about? You know, you're you're killing an unconscious person. Whatever. You don't know the situation. So then she gets really mad, right? 
And she, I said, don't, not to do that. So she throws a lightning bolt at him, kills him instantly. So she runs over. She goes down and heals, brings back to life the the person she, the, the tiger uh, ate or bit or whatever. And then she, she turns around and heals Ian. It was Ian who did it and heals him or brings him back to life. Because he was crying at the table. Because he was crying at the table. And, and after that, he never did something that chaotically evil. You know, to me, that was like, I, I, I know it was something that would, that shocked me because I'm like, why would you want to do that? You know, and, and the, and this person was like, don't do it. Right. And this is the person that was being followed by or accosted by these, these gar- palace guards. They look like palace guards. Right. Cause they were like in Arabian night type of area in Faroon, Southern West sort coast. A lot of stuff happens in the sort coast. Anyway. So. After that, he never, not that he never did anything, never did anything like that again. In fact, he was very worried about dying to almost, I almost traumatized him. But that was a consequence of his actions. To me, it was like, if she, she was a powerful sorceress and if she, you know, she had a necklace of saving lives or something, I forgot what it, what it was. So that was me telling him, you know, that doing dumb things like that or, or doing things that are, that are evil you're gonna you're, there's gonna be a f- consequence for it especially when somebody you don't know is telling you not to do something and they could be they could be a powerful person and you don't know and i think that's what it was is that he took for granted that this woman was running away from them thinking that she was not a powerful person but she was just running away from the situation not because she couldn't handle herself in a certain sense so anyway those are situations that where there has to be consequence for the player's actions. And if they, and if they, there's no consequence, then they'll continue doing that kind of stuff. And that's what happened with me. And I've talked about it before. When I ran D&D, I always ran it like, I always try to make it so the player's encounters would always be similar level to the players. So which, is, they, which is why it doesn't like you to go past 10th level because it's harder to... It's always to create... It can, it's harder to create encounters of that nature, but but if you have a dragon with you that can kill everything, then it would be easier. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying is you, you don't you don't you definitely don't want to teach your players that they can get away with stuff no matter how crazy it is because then that's all they'll ever do. That's why that's why our our friend Shannon he always says death is always on the table. Yeah, he and does. I think that has to do with the fact that a lot of players do crazy things, right? And they don't have any idea of consequences. Correct, correct. Yeah. So he wants to make sure everybody knows that if you do something stupid, then you're, or that he considers. Yes. Okay, and another thing is uh, along with the the ideas that uh, that the GM. This NPC, powerful NPC, is is not a good idea to embed with the party. The GM also had this idea that he already had encounters where the NPC dragon would step in, which means that he had already stuff planned out of encounters that were going to happen, fights that were going to happen, and and I mean he's talking about when they were fifth level, seventh level, and on on down the line. So I thought it was like. That's a terrible idea too, right? Because like, well, he has the whole story or campaign plotted out in his head, right? And he hasn't taken into any consideration what the the players are actually going to do. Well, yeah, and I 
and I think uh, in this sense, start small. Does that start small? No. In this sense, the idea is to not do that, right? Don't have this all planned out because you're not writing a book. You're writing a campaign. So I would not waste time writing up stuff, making maps of stuff that may happen unless the characters, unless the players give me that direction saying, Oh, we're going to go over there in, you know, after we're done with this, I'm like, ah, thank you. Cause now I can plan to do stuff over there <laughs> and not over here where I thought you might go and completely waste my time <laughs> doing that stuff. Right. So I think, uh, you could always take the tack that Jolene said. Oh, this is my this is my thing. You never know what the players are going to do, so you have your encounter ready, and just make it. Don't make it too specific. To it has to be on this hill, yeah. right? Because in this forest, yeah, there's no forest, and you're in the desert. So don't don't make your encounters too area specific because you don't know which way your players are going to decide to go. Right. So I I think. The, this is another problem with new GMs is that they have all these ideas in their head about what's going to happen. The problem is you never know what's going to happen. You never know what the players are going to latch on to. They know you don't know what direction that what hint or or clue they're going to get or what's going to or what they're going to do with that clue. You might think, oh, the clue is going to point them straight north, and they're like, oh, you well, know, no, you know, it totally means it's south. <laughs> you're like, what the heck are you guys talking about? So that does happen. Well, as a new GM, since he was he has these big ideas, he's it's a lot like writing a book about what you think is going to happen, right? Right. This is what I think. This is where they're going to go, and this is what. They're and I've done do. that in the past too. It's total, total it, it doesn't really work because unless I mean, you could railroad them into it, but that doesn't mean they're going to do anything you want them to do. Right. So along with that is, I had the idea is I would tell them is to start small. You can still have this idea of a long, big campaign idea, and by and that idea, that big idea, is like a problem, a big bad guy's motivations. But other than that, I wouldn't put nothing to paper or write anything down. I would start with one adventure, and learn what the players are like and how they want to play, and then you could start building your your idea for the big campaign. For example, uh, it might have been the last podcast I was talking about years ago, and I'm talking 30 years ago, actually longer ago, (laughs) 40 years ago, actually 40 years ago. I was in a, a, they call it the staff campaign. It was Mm kind of like staff in seven parts, something like that. We needed, we were trying to find different parts of the staff to stick it together and fight this big bad guy. So the, the big arcing scene or the big, campaign thing is gathering all these parts to the staff so they can fight the big battle that's going to happen at the end of the campaign that's all you have to start off with you start off with that idea you start the adventure and then you figure out what the players like to do what kind of stuff they're interested in and go from there so you don't waste a lot of time with stuff that's never going to hit the table and your players are never going to experience that's a very useful hit the hint because the last thing you want is a bunch of notes notes and notebooks filled with stuff that it's not going to get used. It's going to frustrate you as a GM, right? Yes. That they're not doing what I want them to do. Right. And that sucks. And, and it sucks when you have a lot of stuff ready to go or, or planned and it just doesn't happen. But that comes with experience coming yes. to understand that 
that players aren't going to do what you want them to do. They're just going to do whatever they're going to do, and you need to go with it. In fact, we were watching the YouTube. I know that's surprising. Um, and one of the guys was, it was a, a guy, and he did this, like, song about all, the GM mistakes. He's all, he was talking about how you killed off the, the NPC that was going to give you oh, all the information. Yes. You Yes. That, that's And that's funny. You're right, because... Uh, I was gonna say, just like supposedly in in uh, strategic planning for battles or having a battle plan, all these tacticians and generals and say those plans go out the window when the battle starts, right. when the battle enjoins, right. when the first shot is shot, because people do all kinds of weird things, yeah, and that are unexpected. And I think that's true. I think, uh, and that guy was making jokes about right. that because he said, you know, you killed off. Uh, the person who was supposed to give you the clue. You went the wrong way. Oh, no, and then you burned down the inn, and the innkeeper was the person who was going to give you the quest, and stuff like that. And that that stuff like that happens. and Sometimes I, accidentally, sometimes on purpose. <laughs> yes. So I think the, I think the uh, good advice, these were all good ideas that some people had, and then I added my own, that when you're a new GM, you have all these ideas in your head. I think the best one is just to start small and see what kind of play style the players are. It's, uh, unless you've played with them before and been playing with them, but they might want a change of that. You know, They might, might be different. They just want to try something new. And when you start a new campaign, they might want to switch it up and w- how they want to approach the game. So basically the idea, if you want to put a dragon in to help your first level players and it's your first campaign, probably don't. Right. Don't do it. I think I think you, the idea is you have all these grandiose ideas of how this could be a fantastic campaign. But you are right. That's like the book style writing. Right. You're right. Writing a story. And that's not what an RPG is. You're not writing a story. You're not playing out a story. You are really. You're just presenting your players with a, a situation and allowing them to. Go and figure it out. And, and figure out. And, and you're just along for the ride. Right. Because they are going to burn down the inn where you had the stuff hidden. Or they're going to, and you're just going to have to go, uh-huh. And on your feet, go, oh, okay, in your brain, all this stuff isn't wasn't in that inn. This is where it was, right? Because it's hard for the GM sometimes if you decide that this is where it is going to happen. And the players don't, don't, don't go there, right? Right, it's going to lead to a lot of frustration. Yeah, and having that that embedded uh, NPC that is super powerful is going to frustrate the players, and most likely they're not going to have that much. It's going to cause you problems too. So you're going to want to kill that little dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Kill your darlings, they say, right? So there you go. Hopefully, this gave you some ideas for not having dragons in your first adventure. Um, (laughs) In your party. In your party. Anything else, babe? I think that's it. Okay. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And you have a good day.